Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson vill jag så bra som mig. Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores! Carlson. Yes, Carlson. yes, yes! Welcome everybody to the Keep Girls at Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the longest-running fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by a guy who's still working on finishing up that bowl of crow that I've been eating all season for not believing in Jeff Skinner. I am your host, Elon Dubrowski, and once again, it's a psych just kidding because i'm not your host today once again we're going back to ben burnett who's going to be talking with joe yurden about the buffalo sabers i've been looking forward to this one for a while the sabers are an interesting team a lot of players who kind of came out of nowhere both in terms of like former stars like skinner who you know disappeared and now are great again to like brand new stars like tage thompson and then of course we've got our emerging stars like our Dalins and even our own power so it's going to be a really fun interview and i can't wait to hear all of joe's takes about the sabers before we get to that let me mention a couple things off the top here first of all keeping carlson very proudly presented by dauberhockey.com you know you got to check it out if you want to be successful in fantasy hockey dauberhockey.com frozen tools all their great suite of things it's amazing, okay? Also, I want to mention, now is a really fun time to uh, consider becoming a part of our patron community. If you are a patron currently of Keeping Carlson, thank you oh so very much. And uh, if you haven't noticed, we've started our you know annual tradition of ranking players for next year's season. We do a vote every single day on who should be the next player ranked. We just finished day three. Uh, I guess I'll just spoil it for everyone. It was McDavid first, then Matthews, then Dreisaitl. Looks like it's going to be McKinnon next. I'm recording this on Wednesday night, so by the time this goes out, people will know who went after Dreisaitl, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be McKinnon. It's based on our Keeping Carlson Also Patron Fantasy League scoring settings. Anyways, that's just one of the many fun things that we're doing over in our Patron Discord community as we get prepared for, you know, we're finishing off the playoffs. We're having a lot of fun chatting about what's been going on, and before we know it it's going to be july 1st and we're going to be talking about ufa and all the fantasy implications the next thing you know we're going to be you know planning for our drafts and you know it's going to be nhl season soon but we'll enjoy the offseason for sure and there's a lot of interesting free agents i'm sure uh ben and joe will talk about the offseason plans of the sabers I had a really fun chat with charlie o'connor a couple days ago where we talked about the philadelphia flyers and the big offseason they had last year uh with some hits and some misses and then what they plan to do this summer they're a very interesting team so definitely check out that episode if you haven't yet but i guess that's it for me did I mention that to become a patron, you go to keepingcarlson.com slash patron? I don't think I did. So that's the place. And right now we have our summer promotion going. So you become a patron for just a buck a month and you get all of the perks. But okay, with that, let's go to Ben's interview with Joe Yurden about the Buffalo Sabres. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast. I am your host for tonight's show, Ben Burnett. And joining me, another member of the esteemed Beat Writer interview series, we have Joe Yurden from Noted Hockey on Substack and the Maintenance Day podcast covering the Buffalo Sabres weekly all the way through the offseason this year. Joe, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm doing great, Ben. It's nice to it's nice to settle down and talk some hockey as the temperature warms up outside. So this is this is this is a nice this is a nice thing to do. 
It is nice. I feel like um, I'm a Rangers fan, so like this deep into the season, it's uh, we had a day game over the weekend, and I was actually like a little annoyed because it was so nice. <laughs> I, I wanted to go out, but it feels like the season is like usually. I feel like we're into the finals by June. Uh, it feels mm-hmm. like we're a little bit behind these days. Yeah, the uh, the the uh, delays and stuff. Uh, the beginning of the, I think it was the beginning of the season. They delayed mm-hmm. things, you know, COVID and yes. you know that that whole thing uh, kind of pushed everything back. It's going to be everybody's sense of timing is going to be very off because what is it? We're not getting free agency till the middle of July now. Like we're not mm-hmm. getting we're not getting the draft until like a week into July. Like all that stuff is very much just like. Well, like July 3rd is basically July 3rd or 4th is like, okay, free agency's done. Everybody, everybody head to the cottage. Everybody go, everybody go to the beach for the, for the rest of summer. Yes, exactly. And I feel like this is the time of year where I'm usually watching a, uh, a NHL finals game one night. And then I'm watching like an NBA conference finals the next night, but, uh, Hey, we make do with what we got. And, uh, I am looking forward to sort of a, a sense of normalcy. I'm hoping for it next season. We, we just get back to the, regular scheduled programming, but I guess that remains to be seen. Um, Joe, we're talking Buffalo Sabres today, and I feel like that's a a really interesting team for fantasy hockey as we head into next year, because I definitely would not have been able to guess who would have led the Buffalo Sabres in points this past season. It it ended up being Tage Thompson with 68 points. Uh, I'm going to throw it to you then this way. Who do you see leading the Buffalo Sabres in points next season? I don't really see any reason to think it's not going to be Thompson again. Interesting. Um, they, I, I mean, you know, listen, he caught everybody off guard this year. I don't, you know, you, you look at the seasons he put up you know, previous to this year and you're thinking like, man, does this guy, is is, he, is there going to be a breakout at any time? Or, you know, maybe this is what he, you know, maybe this is how it's going to go. And that's unfortunate, but uh, Don Granato, he's, you know, he's known Tage from going back to his days at the, uh, you know, the national team development program. And he knew that Thompson could hack it at center. And he said, you know what? We've tried it at wing, you know, guys have been trying to make you a power forward, you know, your whole career because, you know, I mean, let's see six foot seven, you know, it's, you know, you, you kind of start thinking like, well, yeah, he's got to be a power forward, but, uh, but his skill set wasn't a power forward skill set, you know, and he's not, you know, big and filled out, you know, the way a power forward, you think like a, you know, Ovechkin who can play it, you know, 240 pounds and just be a force all over the ice. Well, Thompson can't come close to 240 pounds and he's, you know, he's got a bigger frame to stretch out with, but uh, Granado knew that he was a very capable puck handler. He's very slick with the stick handling and he's a very good passer and he's a very, he's got an excellent shot. So he said, you know what the heck, let's try it at center. You know, what else can we do here? Like there's, there's not much else we, you know, we haven't tried yet, but we haven't tried this and, Lo and behold, he becomes uh, a bona fide number one center on this team, and and just has an unreal thirty eight goal season. Then, I I just can't see them really getting getting wild with things in the off season and figuring like, okay, well, let's get another center to get this figured out because they've got about five or six guys right now, either on the roster or coming next, you know, coming soon that could also be centers. So um, Thompson, yeah, I, I don't see any reason for it to not be Thompson uh, again, because he's going to have the guys on his line to help support the scoring. 
It's very interesting to hear you say that. I, I really didn't expect, I guess, to to see Tage Thompson put up the season he had, obviously. But I, I also just like, I guess I have some lingering doubts about him. But it sounds like you're you're pretty bought in on, on Tage Thompson being able to at least somewhat repeat what he did last year. Yeah, I mean, the, the, he set the bar pretty high for himself. You know, mm-hmm. you, you don't come out of nowhere and throw a 38-goal season on the board with, you know, nearly 70 points, you know, after... Well, I'm looking at his stats here, 35 points in his previous, you know, three seasons. Yeah. Like that's, I mean, that's, that's wild. I mean, it's completely wild. 18 goals and 35 points in his previous three seasons. Like that's such a huge switch to flip. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's, it, it's a little risky to say that I think he's going to be the guy, but the way he mm-hmm. played last year, I mean, it, this wasn't a lot, this wasn't fluke stuff. I mean, you know, the shot percentage, I don't know, 15% is pretty high, mm-hmm. but you know, he's playing a different position. He's doing things more, you know, more in his skill set, more for him, you know, to take advantage of what he can do. I don't know. I, I judging him by his past right now is, is almost, it's almost irrelevant to say he's like, wow, you know, he played like this the first week. Well, he wasn't doing this, you mm-hmm. know, he wasn't playing center. He wasn't, you know, playing top power play minutes. He wasn't doing any of this stuff in the past. So, um, you know, I, I, going out on a little bit of a limb to say like, yeah, he's going to recreate this, but I don't, I don't really see a reason not that, that he can. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, he doesn't look like he's six, seven. I agree with you when you say sort of, he doesn't, he doesn't have the Ovechkin frame for sure. Yeah. Um, but I, I, it certainly makes a lot more sense to me that, you know, hearing the way that, uh, that Granado put him into these different positions, why he was able to succeed a little bit more. I remember the Ryan O'Reilly trade when he came over, it really didn't feel like they had, anything resembling hopes that he could be a top six player. Do you, do you have any, do, do you recall the, any of the rationale for bringing him in and whether they, they sort of were bullish on him at that point? Well, they, they were, they had to get a prospect back in that deal. Like they're, you know, they, I mean, they really I'll give the blues, I'll give blues management some credit here. They, they virtually snowed the Sabres on that deal. Oh, yeah. I mean, they were able to dump, you know, Vlad Saboka on them and, Patrick Berglund and they took, I mean, I feel terrible for Berglund because they took advantage of his agent making a mistake uh, because Buffalo was on Berglund's no trade list and his agent didn't refile his, his list. You know, it's a, you know, it's a list that he changes every year. Well, they didn't file the list with the league or with the team and the blue saw that, no, oh, I could, we could trade him to Buffalo. Good. He's gone. Cause that's, you know, that was wow. an easy three, three, whatever million dollars to, to help make the money work for the trade. Um, so they took advantage of that and Buff, you know, Buffalo didn't, Buffalo wasn't any of the wiser. They were just like, cool. You know, we get a veteran guy that we can put in our lineup because we need a veteran guy to, to help, you know, supplant losing O'Reilly. Um, but Thompson was, was the prospect they got back. And, you know, uh, there was, there was talk that they were interested that they wanted Jordan Cairo or they wanted Robert, no, yeah, right. <laughs> they wanted Robert Thomas, but the blues didn't budge on that. So they, they said, well, how about Thompson? He was a first round pick and they're like, okay, yeah, we'll do that. Um, but again, he was, he was taken with the thought in mind that he was going to be, you know, big power forward, drive the net, you know, be a pain to move around the net and all that stuff. But like, you know, Tage had a growth growth spurt kind of late, late in life where he's been, you know, the last few years, he's been adjusting to being as tall as he is and also trying to put weight on, you know, keeping weight on has been a real struggle for him. And, you know, it's, it's all part of, you know, kind of growing into your body still, which is weird to say for somebody who's in their, you know, early twenties, but 
that's, you know, that kind of stuff can happen though. Like that's, you know, you get a freakish late growth spurt and you spend the next few years figuring, you know, you're changing your clothes, you're changing your shoes, you know, probably every, every year, you know, six months or something like that. You're just kind of like, all right, when, when's this going to stop? Um, but, you know, he's finally settled in at, you know, at his size now and, you know, he's six, seven, you know, two twenty, which, you know, you're thinking like, wow, that's a big guy. Well, he's a tall guy, but it's not, you know, it's not a big, he's not a big muscular, mm-hmm. you know, you know, thick dude. Like that's, that's just not what he is, but it's, you know, it, it's, it, it's, yeah, it's just such a, it's just such a change. And I, this is completely unexpected from what I, I think the previous administration, you know, Jason Bottrell and them thought they were going to get. Cause I, <laughs> I know for sure that if they knew this is what Thompson was going to become, they would have tried it a couple of years ago, which is right. <laughs> because it would have made a lot more sense. Yeah. Well, and now they get him on a, another year at 1.4 million, which I mean, if you had told me a year ago, Tage Thompson's contract is one of the best bargains in the NHL, I would not have, uh, I wouldn't have bought into it, but that's the situation at this point. Um, the player who I would have picked to lead Buffalo in points last year was Jeff Skinner. And I did wind up with him in a lot of places because the opportunity was so obvious to me. Like, you know, a guy who has had success, has been able to score in the past, but was relegated to the bottom six, wasn't getting top power play time, playing behind Taylor Hall and Jack Eichel and all these players. Once they're gone, made a lot of sense to me that Skinner could bounce back. Now, he's also been somebody who has had those up years followed by down years in the past. Do you have any concerns about Skinner repeating sort of his return to relevance from 2022? You know, I it's funny with, with Skinner because it, you know, the in, and we joke about this on maintenance day quite a bit about how Ralph Kruger really just found a way to throw an anchor around a lot of very productive players next yeah. during his time there. And Skinner was and Skinner is example one through five of, of that because he seemed to have some kind of ax to grind with him, or he just didn't like the way he played or whatever it was, you know, Skinner's Skinner's not known to be a strong defensive player. Let's, let's be honest. Like that's not his, that's not his skill set. You're not putting him out there to kill penalties. You're not doing, you know, you're not putting him out there to be physical not, and do any of that stuff. Like, but you put him out there to score goals and create offense and create turnovers and, and be able to do those kinds of things. And, Somehow, some way, Kruger didn't see that type of value in having a guy like that. And, you know, he took him off the line with Eichel. I mean, he played with Eichel. He played with Eichel his 40 goal season. So, like, you know, I don't know, maybe keep the guy with him and see how that works. But that was that was like one of the first moves he made was to take him off of Jack's line and um, buried him, honestly. I mean, it was, it was you know, during the um, – when they had the taxi squads, I mean, he was putting – he had – I mean, they would have had to waive Skinner to actually put him on the taxi squad, but they told him to just go practice with them because he wasn't going to be in the lineup. They were scratching this guy for a couple of games at a time. And it was just like, man, he's got like seven more years on his, six more years on his contract. Like, what are you going to do? Like, you can't have a guy that, that you paid $9 million a year to to play in your third and fourth line for the rest of his his time there. Like, that's just not going to work. But you know, again, it comes down to Granado just realizing, okay, well, Skinner's a guy that's going to play offense. We need him in our top six. He needs to play these these kinds of minutes and get these opportunities. And let's put him with guys that can help him score. You know, putting him with like Vlad Saboka is not going to help him score goals. That doesn't help anybody score goals. You know, it's it's those kinds of moves where you're just kind of like, how how dumb could they have been to allow this to happen? And yet they did. But you know, the, the on off switch for, for Skinner's whole career. It's, I mean, it's amazing. You, you look at year by year, mm-hmm. 
it's wild. It's wild. <laughs> it's totally wild to look at it yeah. where it's like great one year, you know, the, the regression catches up to him the following season. You're just kind of like, it's, it's amazing. But I look at it this way. He's had two years where he was in shackles, basically. I mean, 21 goals over two seasons, 112 games. Like that's nuts. That's absolutely bonkers. And like his shooting percentage was low. But I mean, you know, it, it came back big last year, but he was getting more of those opportunities. He was able to do a lot of the things that he normally does. So uh, is he going to score 30 again? Yeah, he, he can do it. He can absolutely do it. Will he? Uh, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I want to believe that that Granado's style of play leans towards working to his strength. So I, I would say, you know, and listen, he's going to be 30. If he's not 30 already, he's going to be 30. Yeah, he's 30 now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he just turned. Well, yeah. So, I mean, you know, that, 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 like, uh, that roadblock's coming soon for, you know, mm-hmm. for guys. Cause at some point it just stops working. But I, I don't know. He, he missed so much time younger with, uh, when he was younger with, you know, with concussion stuff and, and, mm-hmm. and all that. But he hasn't had any of those problems since. And now, you know, he seems to, he, he's found a way to not get hurt, which is, you know, crazy for a guy of his, you know, where the, 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 the traffic areas that he winds up in and how he's able to do, I mean, granted, he's agile enough to get away from people, but, um, but yeah, I, you know, I, again, I'm, I'm very bullish on, on Skinner being able to replicate that. Now, you know, if you're, if you're banking on him scoring 30, it's a good target number, but you know, mm-hmm. I'd say anywhere in like the 25 to 35 range is probably where you're thinking for him. If it's at the 25 end, you're, you're probably a, a bit bummed out both as a saber coach and as a fantasy player, but like, yeah. um, but there's always a chance that he might pop off for 30, 35 again. And you're, you're sitting pretty good. And the opportunity is there, right? Like even in the Carolina days, it was like, sometimes he'd be up, sometimes he'd be down. Um, you, you sort of, your, your comments about Granada with Tage Thompson is like, okay, this is, you it makes Granado look like a genius. Mm-hmm. Uh, the moving Jeff Skinner up and down the lineup, and and you know giving him top line deployment on this team. When you look at the the lineup that they had going into this year, uh, that one I give I give the coach less credit for. That one was I think like you and I could have uh, could have <laughs> could have implemented this Jeff Skinner breakout uh, or re reemergence, I suppose. But yeah, no, I I feel like the the one thing on Jeff Skinner that I worry about is if you are the Buffalo Sabers and you ever get close to getting a a free opportunity to get Jeff Skinner off of your books and not have to pay him the the nine million a year for the next five years. I, I think you take it no questions asked, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, if you do it now, you're, you're it's kind of a risk. But, you know, if you're looking down the road and thinking, well, you know, we might have to worry about, you know, the guys that we got to get big contracts to here the next, you know, the next few years because, you know, Darlene's going to have a, what's this, Darlene's got two, he's, Darlene's got two more years left before you got to really pay him in 24, 25. You know, Thompson's going to need to get paid next year. Um you know, Dylan Cousins ELC is going to come up. Um, you got to figure, you know, Victor Olofsson needs a new contract this, you know, this mm-hmm. summer, you know, uh, you know, you're looking ahead at these kinds of things and you, know, you can feel happy that you do have Skinner done, but you know, I, I don't, I don't know. This used to be a very cap, you know, spend of the cap, spend over the cap, even, you know, for one or two seasons where that was ridiculous, but um but they're not a cap team anymore. They're a floor team. Mm-hmm. So have it. So even if Jeff Skinner's games, you know, slacks off a little bit and he's at 9 million, 
you're kind of like, well, he at least helps us get over the floor because then, because <laughs> then you're solving your own problems at that point. But, um, but yeah, right now, I mean, I mean, you look at their cap friendly page. I mean, there, there's what beyond 23, 24, there's what one, two, two guys, two guys under contract after 23, 24. So, you know, they, they've got, they've got a lot of room and a lot of time to be flexible with a lot of these guys. And so uh, let's talk about the player who came back for the uh, came back in the Jack Eichel trade, Alex Tuck, a player who I, I really enjoyed watching in Vegas, somebody who played down the lineup and could just feast on lower competition. He always popped off on the screen mm-hmm. when you were watching Vegas on those cup runs and uh, and, you know, in the into the playoffs. Doesn't really get to do that in Buffalo because he's finally at the top of the lineup. And last year he winds up playing about 18 minutes a night. Puts up a breakout campaign, full season pace of 62 points after missing the 30 games at the start of the year with the injury. Uh, does Tuck come in? Do you, do you think he has a chance to be even better next year with the full training camp and more time to adjust to the new team? Yeah, I, I think there's the opportunity is absolutely going to be there for him. I mean, he's he's going to play top six minutes there. I mean, there's no reason for him not to. When he was in Vegas, even in Minnesota, I mean, he was a kid in Minnesota, um, but like in Vegas, you know, that opportunity wasn't there. Like, you know, they, they had, you know, they had the, they had the Smith Marsh. So Carlson line, they were set there, you know, once they added Pacioretty and they added stone, like he's not cracking the top six at that point. So, you know, it's great. It's a great luxury to have a guy like that, that you can throw out against other teams, you know, third and fourth lines. And then you have a very distinct advantage, but you know, you know, Vegas is Vegas problems are, you know, they, they, they've got their own problems, but, but in Buffalo, well, I think too, in, in Vegas, he he's playing on the wing and there's a team that's built on the wings. They don't have the yeah. top two centers sort of built down for him to just like join. And so mm-hmm. they have to, you know, put him further down. Right. I guess Buffalo just doesn't, there's lots of opportunity at, at every position in, in Buffalo. But yeah. I mean, and you know, that's, that's the advantage when you bring in somebody like that. And, and the, if you have an advantage being a bad team, that's that's also an advantage um, in fantasy yes you get because you get all those minutes oh right yeah i mean but like you know the, the wing thing got cleared up a little bit with thompson moving to center and yeah, sure. you know the wing thing now is it's clogged up by guys who are centers that you know they want to get ice time but you're not you know you're not going to have them be the fourth line center because they're not going to get the ice time that you want them to get so you know, some of those guys are playing wing and some of those guys might stay at wing you know uh, you know i think of like dylan cousins dylan cousins might be a wing from you know from now on but like he's going to be up against Krebs and Middlestad and you know these other guys to 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 get those center minutes so you know nothing's you know nothing's solved there but Tuck Tuck made it so that he's you know if he's not first line he's he's getting heavy minutes on the second line too because he you know he's he's the power forward that they've lacked since what Marcus Felino was around and you know those teams weren't very good when Marcus was around but Marcus you know Marcus has been the same guy his whole career um, but, but Tuck plays a similar style. Granted, Tuck's not going to drop the gloves with guys and, you know, really go, you know, really go off with the physicality, but like he is physical. I mean, he's a, he plays the power forward game. You know, he plays this, the style of hockey that people thought Tage Thompson was supposed to play, but it's like, no, Alex Tuck's that guy. And, you know, he, he does that, you know, hanging around the net stuff. He does, you know, he drives the net. He does, you know, the net front presence, all those things. He does that. Uh, and that's an element that doesn't exist on this team anywhere else, you know, anybody else who's a, 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 as strong on their feet or as, you know, can be physical, they're, they're not playing that position. You know, Kyla Pozo is not, is not going to do that kind of stuff down low. He could, but it, you know, he, he's not as good at it uh, as he is in other, in other facets of facets of the game. So, 
Yeah, Tuck. What Tuck does is is he he's provided an element that they haven't had in a long time, and it's it's it became very clear very quickly that fans love that kind of player, and the team was very very quick to say like, well, he's you know he's one of ours. He's he's from here, even though you know Syracuse is two and a half hours away. But you know, hey, listen, <laughs> we're not we're not here for geography lessons. We're here, you know, they're happy to have a guy that's really excited to be here that grew up a Sabres fan. Um, and now he's, you know, he's playing his tail off. I mean, hey, listen, you got to be a pretty decent guy to be able to wear 89 for the first time since McGillney in Buffalo. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, no. And I mean, it's like we were all saying when uh, when the Eichel trade happened, it's like you get a guy like Tuck so you can free up Tage Thompson to, you know, now he can take over that physical. I'm just kidding. We Nobody saw any of this. <laughs> nobody saw any of this stuff coming at the time. But I guess I do want to kind of ask about the, the trade a little bit while we're talking about Tuck. And mainly, I, I'm just wondering as like, I used to work with a Sabres fan up until a year ago, and it just... Like seeing him through the bubble and then like the the return to play season, I've just never seen it, other than Leafs fans. I've never seen a fan down so bad, and I'm just wondering if like what the vibe is with with Vegas missing the playoffs this year. Is there a little bit of optimism uh, in the Sabers fandom these days, just based on the team? Like you know, we've talked about players who actually had really solid seasons. They had a seventy point or nearly seventy point player in Tage Thompson. Is there any sense of optimism? for the franchise these days. Oh yeah. Big time. Uh, you know, the, the city got to fall back in love a little bit with this team, uh, with the way they played, you know, the second half of the season. And really, it, it really, uh, came, came through in that Vegas game where Eichel, you know, came back for the first time and fans were juiced up, you know, they, you know, they wanted to, you know, there's a lot of fans that when they traded Jack, they were like, good. You know, we didn't like his attitude. We don't like him. You know, he's from Boston. Why do we ever root for a Boston guy in the first place? You know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Right. And, you know, they were they were happy to see him go. And, you know, half the fan base was just like, you know, listen, this is the best player that they've had here since. Best forward anyways, in a long time. And they're just like, man, we just just giving these guys away, you know, just give away O'Reilly, give away Eichel, you know, this this all all this stinks. But that game, it came it came through like they, you know, they want to. You know, they won a tough game. They won 3-1. Tuck gets the empty netter by, you know, kind of going inside and out on Eichel to get it. And, you know, after the game, Eichel, <laughs> Eichel was trying to joke around, but he was still hot after losing the game because, you know, he, you know mm-hmm. he, wants to be, he wants to beat the Sabres here. Of course, of course he does. And, you know, he was still hot about losing. And, you know, he's trying to cut jokes, and it came off very badly. It came off as like he was being a sourpuss. And, you know, fans were just like, oh, I get it now. We hate you. So, like, he'll never be cheered ever again in Buffalo. Like, unless it's like some kind of like Stone Cold Steve Austin type thing where, like, people love him being, being a, a, you know, acting out against the Sabres. But, like, no, nah, no, nah, like, fans here, like, anybody who is on – the fence about getting rid of him or even people that supported the trade are just kind of like, yeah, no, he's gone. Glad he's gone. Peace out, man. Like it's, but like that galvanized the the fan base that got everybody, even people like, you know, there's a lot of people who left and were just kind of like, whatever, call me when this team gets fun again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for very good reasons, you know, you can't be this bad for 10, 11 years and think, you know, you're going to keep selling the building out and, Oh boy, ownership learned this year. You're, you can't you can't mess around with this fan yes, base. Exactly. The attendance was so bad. And the only game they sold out was for RJ. So which is extremely fitting. But um, but yeah, no, people people got over Jack quick after that game. And you know what? They came back because the fans, 
fans love the way that they play. They love the the up tempo style. They love that they score goals. I mean, yeah, the goaltending stinks. The defense is a little shaky, um, but they love that they you know the team's got some heart. They have fun playing with each other. They have fun playing together, and you know that's it's a whole part of selling the team. You got to look like you like each other at least sometimes. I mean. You know, the other, the past teams, the losing really showed on everybody's faces and, you know, year after year after year. And that promise of like, ah, one move that's going to get us in the playoffs is one move this year. This, or at least this past season, they had zero expectations. Everybody mm-hmm. figured this was going to be the worst team in the NHL. Like there was going to be them, Seattle and, you know, take a pick of whoever, Ottawa. I don't know. Detroit, Detroit. like, yeah, yeah Detroit. Exactly. Yeah. So like people thought this was going to be a God awful team. And, you know, they provided a lot of excitement, a lot of fun. I mean, for a 75 point team, people really enjoyed this team. Now, yeah, I'd be really curious how it goes next season because now people are thinking playoffs because people started thinking playoffs when they were rattling off wins <laughs> this year, thinking, oh, yeah, if Craig really Anderson did. didn't get hurt. So then, quick. You know, yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, going from zero expectations to being like playoffs, maybe like that's that changes a lot of views because, you know, the tease and the temptation of playoffs gets old because every everybody makes the playoffs in the nhl except for buffalo that's the way it goes yes. now well yeah and that's the thing you can understand why the like it's like leafs fans with like does this guy do anything to get us to the second like it's like a, a singular quest that you care mm-hmm. about because it's been so long uh and hey the the fans are back i call it the donny meatballs uh, the, the donny meatballs effect yeah everybody loves don granado and it's exciting to see that there there is something with uh, a team who has no expectations and and fans being able to come back on and, and just enjoy the the fun elements uh, we are going to take a very quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk Rasmus Deline. We've got a couple forwards to get to. You're listening to Keeping Carlson. Welcome back to Keeping Carlson. And we are here with Joe Yurden talking Sabres. Uh, Joe, we have a few more forwards I want to chat, w- chat with you about. And the first guy I want to talk about is Victor Olafson, uh, a guy who looked like he might be emerging as a star when he came into the league and, and seemed to be scoring. I remember there was just this run. He was scoring a power play goal every night as a rookie, it felt like. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's an RFA this year. What do you expect from that contract? And, and do you think that the stars see him as a guy who can get into a, a top line, top power play role again over the next few years? Well, I, I, for, you know, in Buffalo's case, you know, Olson, Olson's a tremendous talent. You know, when he was when he was coming up, I was telling people, I said he has a top five shot. They're like, oh, on the team, I go, no, in the NHL. <laughs> I said you you don't understand it until you see it in action. And then when people were seeing it, they're like, oh, I get what you're talking about now. I get it. And I was, yes, no, it's it's a it's an unbelievable shot that he's got. Um, the thing is, the thing that might be. I don't know. I don't know if saving is the right word because again, Buffalo doesn't have cap issues. You know, they can spend whatever they want and probably do them good. But um, his next contract, I mean, honestly, like he had a, he, he was, he had an injury last year to his wrist that really sapped everything from him. Like the shot was gone. He, you know, it killed his confidence. Uh, and yet he still had 20 goals. Like the wrist, you know, the, the wrist injury went away later in the season. Then it was like, Oh, old Victor's back. This is good. Um, and, you know, like, like I said, I mean, he, it was a very erratic season for him and he still put up, put up 20 goals. Uh, to me, he's a guy, I mean, obviously he's a power play weapon. I mean, you, you plan him in the circle, set him up for one timers and, you know, reap the benefits. Like that's, that's how it works for him, but he's become a much better five on five guy now. Um, and his defensive games is, is, is a lot stronger. 
Um, you know, he's been able to find different spots offensively to be able to score. Um, granted, you know, a lot of his, you know, what seven of seven to 20 goals came on the power play last year. That's, I mean, that's, it's a heavy, it's a heavy percentage, but I mean, you know, that that's what you're, that's what you're kind of expecting from him because yeah, you know, that, that's I, who that, he's always been right. Like, you know, he's not, I mean, he's like the opposite of Skinner. Skinner does all his damage at five on five, you know, like it's, it's incredible how he's able to do that. Like year in a year out, you know, he'll score 35 goal. Like, you know, he scored 33 last year, 28, we're at, you know, we're at even strength. I mean, that's nuts. I mean, that, that's the kind of stuff you pay out big bucks for, but you know, for Olofsson, you know, you, you're, you're paying for the power play success because yeah, you want your special teams to take advantage of, of other people, you know, other teams mistakes, but the fact that he's able to, to get enough at five on five to keep the, keep the machine moving and keep things going. It's good. I mean, it's, it's a strong thing to be able to do. And, you know, he's, you know, he's a guy that stays out of the box himself you know, he's, he's probably a guy who should be up there in the lady Bing conversation, honestly, but, um, but he's, you know, when you're talking about a new contract, like, you know, what was the last one? I was like four, so four and change or three and change, something like that. Like, let me look at it. Yeah. It was like, uh, it was like a $3 million cap it. So right now you're talking, you know, maybe four and a half. I would think like you're looking at probably four and a half, 4.75. I, in my mind, uh, right. for, for what he can do. And then the Buffalo is really at a, at a point because you've got other guys coming, you've got young guys coming up and they're going to need to play top six minutes. You know, you're going to need Jack Quinn in your top six. You're going to need JJ Paterka, you know, in your top six to, to, to take best advantage of what they can do. Can Olsen be good in the third line role with not as many minutes? Uh, to me, he can. But do you want to pay a third liner four and a half million, or do you want to sign him for, you know, three or three or four years at you know four and a half five million and say, all right, man, we're going to pay you this much to play third line and power play? Are you cool with that? Like, I mean, for me, sign me up. Yeah, you're going to give me five million dollars. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. But like, you know, uh, you know, for him, I mean, guys want the ice time. Guys want to. Guys want to play in the big moments. Guys want to play. You know, to have the game on their stick. That's what they want to do. But uh, to me, Olafson is a. He's a guy who's important to Buffalo right now. Uh, he would be an extreme luxury on a cup contender team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a, a very dangerous guy to have on. You know, I think it like the you know you know Edmonton put him on Edmonton just having McDavid setting him up or Drysdale setting him up for for one timers goodness, like that's that's frightening. Put him on Tampa, you know Rangers. Put him on any of these teams, and it's just like right. wow, okay. Well, and we saw that with with Eichel, right? Like the the damage that he did on the power play his first couple seasons was mm-hmm. like something that made me think this kid was going to be a star. And it is really interesting to hear you you point out that as the uh, as the wrist healed, the the goal started to come back. I feel like if that's the case, then I feel like Victor Olofsson could be a real breakout for for Buffalo next year and somebody who ends up bringing bringing value in fantasy drafts because I I think he's going to be you know if not if not free he'll be cheap that's for sure yeah and you know what I I mean he equaled his career high with 20 and he it took him you know what was it 1920 that was the uh uh, the COVID shortened season, he had 20 and 54 games that year. So, I mean, he's a guy who's capable of, I, I think he's a 30 goal capable guy. Um, just keep the wrist healthy. I mean, if the wrist was healthy last year, he's probably pushing 30 easy, easily pushing 30. I mean, he played 72 games, you know, he missed 10, 
but he was he was definitely hampered by that wrist for a good geez, I want to say 30, 30 games. Like it just wasn't there. Whether it was the wrist or just you know the lack of confidence that comes with having a busted wrist, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's well, it's a mix of game, all those right? things. Yeah, it's all the shot. Like when, at least in the earlier seasons, I haven't watched as much Olaf's in the last few years. But I mean, like you said, when you would watch him play uh, as a rookie, it's like you tune in to to catch Victor Olafson highlights, and it's like okay, it's it's all on the power play. He's yeah. not moving the needle really uh, elsewhere, but. If but, he can grow into that player and yeah, I was, you know, his, you know, I think of his first season, in North America, he played in Rochester and he scored 30 his first mm-hmm. season, you know, here. I mean, it, it, it's not like he came over as a, as a baby, you know, it's, you know, he came over after playing like, <laughs> you know, three, four seasons in the SHL, you know, basically right up at, you know, right when he was 18 uh, and, you know, he was the leading SHL uh, goal scorer when, you know, when he came over to Buffalo, you know, came over to North America finally. So like he wasn't a guy that wasn't really an unknown quantity. Um, you know, they drafted him in the seventh round because, you know, stuff happens sometimes. Sometimes you just don't stick out and whoever on Tim Murray's staff noticed like, Hey, this guy's got a shot. You might want to, might want to get him just because he's toolsy. Turns out it was a pretty good idea, you know, and they just let him stay in Sweden, get his game better. And he improved every year. And, you know, that, that season in Rochester, like he, he thrived on the power play, you know, he jumped out to a, a goal lead in the league where, you know, he was just feasting on power plays and soon teams were just like, Oh, right. Stand in front of him the entire power play. Don't let him get away from you. And it was just kind of like, you know, goal stopped for a little bit and he adjusted and he started scoring and, and even strength. And I was like, Oh crap. Okay. And then, you know, some other guys start scoring in the power play, like, Oh, we got to watch those guys now. Then, you know, things loosened up and, Things went back to normal, and Olsen was able to to thrive on that. I mean, fans were clamoring for him to come up to Buffalo that season, and I, I think wisely they were like, "No, no, no, he he's got to stay down there for another year. We we got to make sure." No, I don't know if it was really that smart to do that, but um, but I mean, he's you know he he adjusts. He you know he learns and he improves based on you know where things go wrong or where things that you know things that need. To me, that's, you know, that, that getting that out of a player is, is incredible because you want guys to know better. Some guys, you know, especially with a tool set like his would get very, uh, I don't know, like, I don't know, sedentary and just say like, well, I got the shot. I'll get my goals. Who cares about the rest? You know, and then, you know, guys like that don't usually stick around the league that long. And Victor's like, no, I, I'm going to stay. I want to stay in the NHL for life, which with the shot, he with his shot, he can but he knows that he's got to do more than just a power play. And he's, he's worked on that very hard. And so looking down the lineup, I feel like next year is a, is a pretty big year for a couple of guys who have been drafted, uh, who were drafted high uh, a couple of years ago now. And I'm looking specifically at Dylan cousins and Peyton Krebs and wondering Joe, how high your expectations are for those two heading into next year. You know, uh, cousins is fascinating uh, Krebs, Krebs, you know, I'll, I'll start with Krebs because I have no worries about Krebs. The only thing I worry about with Krebs is uh, the defensive responsibility. But like a lot of those questions went away with how he played at the end of the season in Rochester. You know, after the Sabre season was over, he went, he and uh, Matias Samuelson were allowed to go, you know, were on the clear list to go to Rochester for the playoffs. And Krebs, any defensive questions I had about him were gone because he was, he, he was on top of his game. He's an incredible passer. Like his his ability to thread the needle to find guys, his sense on the ice of of how to you know where guys are and how he can thread it is brilliant. And it's fun. It's funny that they've got that they were able to get him from Vegas because 
I remember that draft day in 2019 in Vancouver and, you know, Krebs, you know, Krebs was dealing with an injury um, that draft year. Like I think it was an elbow injury or something like that. And that kind of knocked him down the board a bit. I mean, that's how Vegas was able to snag him, uh, you know, kind of mid first round. And, you know, he was one of those guys where I was like, I don't know, maybe Buffalo would be interested in him. Now, you know, granted Buffalo was picking really high, you know, they're picking top 10. So they were going to get, they were going to get a center no matter what, whether it was Rossi, whether it was cousins or Krebs or, you know, I thought Kirby Doc would follow them, but he didn't. So, you know, that was another guy I thought that would, would have been on their list. But um, but the fact that they got two of the top centers from that draft, which now looks like an unbelievable draft already, like that 19 draft, like, you know, I remember I was big on the Marco Rossi train and, you know, people are just like, oh, Cousins is great now. I was like, well, yeah, he's great. Rossi's great. All these guys, all these guys around that pick turned out to be really great players and they're only going to get better. Um, but with Cousins... He was, you know, when things were ugly at the beginning of last season and, you know, they weren't scoring a bunch, you know, their losses piled up, things looked not great as they were, you know, getting used to Don's system and getting used to what he wants to do. And, you know, in some cases, guys playing different positions. Um, Cousins was the be- was their best guy. Just the puck never went in. You know, he was, you know, he was a dominant possessor. He was a dominant, en- you know, zone entry guy. Like, he was the best guy in the team at bringing the puck in the zone. Just beautiful job every time. But the shots weren't going in, you know, he, you know, he kind of slowed up on the shots later in the season. But I mean, you know, if the shots, shots aren't going in, you feel a little bit stressed out, you know, it's natural. Um, but he, he and Krebs, I think are competing to be the center, um, whether that's on the second line or the third line. I, and people are going to be like, oh, I can't put him on the third line. Listen, Granado's very good about sp- spreading the wealth with the minutes. I, it's, I know it's cliche for coaches to be like, well, I don't number my lines, but you know, listen, we, we know what the number, we know what the line numbers are. We get, like, we get it, but like with that middle six unit, it's, it's interchangeable. Like they have the same number of skill guys, the same number of guys that can do the same stuff on those lines where you're just kind of like, okay, this, you know, you know, whichever line's going better is going to get more minutes, but like, they're not, it's not going to be a great disparity in that. So, um, but cousins is, is somebody that I could see being on the wing more. Uh, just based on his physicality, he loves getting physical. He'll fight anybody if he needs to, which the Sabres probably are like, don't please, please don't. We know you like to, you know, you'll handle fights if you need to, but, but please, man, you're, you're, we're trying to get you built up a little bit here. We need you to get a little bit stronger still. Um, but like he, he doesn't get outworked. I mean, he's, he's just a, a tireless worker. And he, he goes hard and he's, you know, he's got the kind of attitude about him where he's just like, he's not going to take any, take any crap from people. And he'll just play hard and go hard in that and do all these things. I just wonder if centers, if center is going to be it for him or if it's going to be on the wing, because he's got, he's got the skills to do both, but I just wonder if he might be better at wing. Like he's a very good player. Don't get that, don't get that crossed up. Don't think, don't say I'm like he's bad at this one thing, but he's better at this. Like no, he's good at both, but he might be better at wing. I and I, I think Krebs could be the same way if the if the defensive stuff doesn't get worked out, he, he could end up on the wing too. Which you know, I mean, nice problem to have. You know, very talented guys, but you have right. to put them on the wing. But, um, but if his defensive game's gotten better and it continues to improve, he's absolutely a center because the way he can distribute is is. Very, very good. I'm not going to say elite, but like he's 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 got the kind of passes where you're just kind of like, whoa, where'd that come from? He, uh, you know, one of his, one of his uh, he assisted Tuck on one of his first goals as a saber. 
Um, and Tuck, Tuck shot him a look of like, how did you do that? <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, those kinds of plays where even his teammates are like, whoa, okay, man, that's cool. And like, he played with him in Vegas. Like, <laughs> if anybody should have known mm-hmm. he can do that, it's it's Alex Tuck. But, um, but yeah, I'm I'm very up on both of them. I I get the scoring thing. Like, it's these kinds of guys are tough to to gauge where the scoring is going to go because you just don't know. Because somebody's going to take a step, right? You know, somebody's going to make a you know either whether it's gradual or it's a big step is the question. Um, but I, I Cousins has the tool set to be able to to drive more goals. Uh, but you know, Krebs is the guy that's got to set guys up a bit better. I, and you know, if you, if you find yourself in need of assists, I would, you know, I'd kind of take a peek at, I'd take a peek at Peyton Krebs for that. It sounds like you're, you're kind of saying the, you're hedging a bit, which I understand obviously, cause we're trying to project into the future for these mm-hmm. guys who have very high ceilings, but it's like, it's this, it sounds like the sort of thing where like one of them will break out and once it happens, it'll be like, oh, yeah, obviously it was going to be this guy. But like before it happens, it is like it is not that obvious. It feels like a, a bit challenging to sort of to see which one of them might uh, might pop off first. Yeah. And you know what? If if, if it's going to be anybody, I think it would be Cousins just because he's had more NHL games to this point. You know, Krebs has had a little bit more time, but like he's had injuries kind of set him back. Um you know, in Vegas, uh, not so much in Buffalo, but like in Vegas, like his development got kind of skewed around, you know, COVID stuff and everything like that. Yeah. Well, that'll mess with you too. And yeah. I think, I think he had a major injury the year after as well. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure. If I uh, yeah. Correctly. Yeah. But yeah, I mean like, you know, the injury that he had his draft year was, it was pretty tough. And I know that there was talk that like, maybe he would have slid down further, but it was like, no, the talent's too good. Like you can't, you can't just, you know, pass on a guy and be like, well, he's hurt right now. Uh, you know, uh, we can't get a guy like that now. Like, well, okay, man, but you're, you're going to lose out. But, you know, he, um, but yeah, he had the injury going into the draft year. He like broke his jaw. Uh, what was it? Last, uh, 20, 2021, mm-hmm. like yeah. the end of the year, like something like that. And then, you know, he had COVID for a spell uh, this past season. So like, you know, things happen, but, he's on the the right road now. So, uh, you know, he's been healthy, you know, fractured jaw is a freak thing. You know, the the injury had his draft year is long gone now. Like that's, you know, three years gone now. So, um, you know, I, I'm not sweating any of that, but like the, the thing with just, like I said, with, with Krebs, it's just the defensive game that, that makes me a little bit, you know, it's, you know, it has to be better. And it will get better, but it's just like, is it going to be better right now? Is the thing you know like that, that can take time to, for guys to be very good in that in that respect in the playoffs, right? Um, and so the other uh, high profile prospect that I, I want to ask you about is Jack Quinn, a guy who I remember that year uh, fans being a little bit out on Jack Quinn as a pick as highly as he went. I don't think people disliked him as a prospect, but there was a sense that maybe he wasn't the best uh, pick in his draft spot. Uh, ever since he's, he's basically just been torching the AHL. He, I think he put up 60 points in 45 games or something last year, just ridiculous numbers for a 20 year old. Um, what do you, what do you think Jack Quinn's timeline is before he arrives in Buffalo? Uh, <laughs> so you know how I mentioned the, the, the last draft where it was with Krebs and Quinn and those guys or uh, mm-hmm. cousins. And I was like, you know, that looks like a pretty good draft. This is another one. 
Yes, uh, no the 2020 kidding. draft is is very much in that that respect where you know that that was the draft where I'm like they got to get Rossi like they need a center and they took his teammate I'm like okay man like you know is is he going to be able to get that kind of scoring in the NHL is he going to be able to pop 50 in it you know in a season and you know in the NHL is he going to come close to doing that and you know man his his first season in the AHL was rough I mean he he took it on the chin and you know he ended up getting a sports hernia late in the season so that you know that season was really cursed but this season he had a lot of different injury stuff this year. I mean, he came down with a case of mono at one point and missed, you know, nearly a month, uh, you know, a month of play. And he was unstoppable in the AHL. Like we're talking a point and a half a game player. Um, he missed the, you know, again, missed a bunch of time for freak stuff, but I mean, we're talking about a guy that fans were like, you got to get him up here now. Like <laughs> stop wasting his time in, in Rochester. You need to get him up in Buffalo right now. And that, you know, listen, I, again, I understand where fans are coming from, but you know, he needed that. He needed that time in Rochester to get it, you know, to kind of get the game together, to get things figured out and be a guy that, you know, can help a team in the postseason, a guy that can, you know, help a team through the regular season, be able to, you know, go off. I mean, Man, geez, his stats, what was it? 60, 60 points in 45 games in the AHL, like 26 goals in 45 games. I mean, that's stupid, Ridiculous, stupid stuff yeah. to be doing. Um, and, you know, he, you know, by his own admission, he struggled in the playoffs. He didn't score a goal in the, in the postseason, the AHL. And he's, and he ended the season really ticked off about that, trying to keep the language clean. Um, he ended up re- being really ticked about not being able to score. And he's like, he's like, no, listen, I was healthy. Like I was fine, but you know, it just didn't happen. I, it's, you know, listen, you score at that kind of rate regression. You know, listen, statistical regression is going to happen. It's just, it stinks that it happens in the playoffs is, is the thing. But if Quinn, if Quinn starts in, in Rochester next season, I would be shocked. I would be shocked beyond shocked because this dude's ready. I mean, he, he showed some ability. He got a few NHL games last season and you could see it like he's, I mean, he thrives off the rush. He's got a tremendous shot. He's a tremendous offensive player and he's not a slouch defensively by any means. Like, you know, coach Seth Appert in Rochester said, you know, this, even though he wasn't scoring, he's like, he's doing all the right things. He's doing everything the right way, the way you're supposed to as a veteran, you know, and this kid's 20. So when you got that kind of ability and, you know, we saw it in, we saw the way he can score in the OHL, you know, it, it was the kind of thing that, you know, you know, when I see 50 goals go up, it makes me think of uh, Anthony Mantha when he was at Valdor and it was just like, Whoa, this dude can fill the net, but you're like, well, that's the cue. Everybody fills the net there. You put up 50 in the OHL. That's a, that's a different story. Like that's, <laughs> that's stuff where you got to be like, okay, something he's something he's doing is very good. You know, and, you know, listen, I was, I was critical of the pick, but like, you know, I thought Rossi was the guy, but like, listen, they, 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 they were going to be good no matter who they picked, <laughs> you know, whether it was, you know, whether it was Quinn, whether it was Rossi or it was Perfetti, like any of those guys, they were going to come out with a great player. Uh, but Quinn, Quinn's built off of everything. You know, that first AHL season was awful and he came through this year and he was incredible. You know, he doesn't score in the playoffs to end the season. He ends the, ends the season on kind of a bitter note. He's going to be a beast in camp. He's good. I mean, he's, he's going to, he, I mean, geez, if he's not in the top six, I'll be surprised. And that's, you know, you know, the team's still a little bit lacking 
up front, but like there's still good scoring talent there. But Quinn, Quinn's absolutely going to be a top six guy. I, I would be again, I would be shocked beyond shocked if he if he starts at Rochester next season. That that to me would be a huge setback. And you know, unless they make some crazy trades and become like a cup contender over the summer, I just can't see the way that Quinn doesn't end up in the top six with this team immediately and becomes an impact player. That's exciting to hear. I feel like there are going to be a lot of dynasty players who are, are very happy to have, you know, grabbed yes. Jack Quinn a bit late because uh, the hype isn't really there. And then he sort of, uh, he turns it around and, and looks to be a really exciting player uh, coming up for the Sabres. Let's hop down to defense next. And obviously we have to start with Rasmus Dillene, uh, who I guess would be probably the first Sabres player drafted in most fantasy drafts next year. Uh, mm-hmm. If you look at the full season, it looks like a fine year for Dillene, 53 points on the season. Definitely a disappointment for a first overall pick who had, you know, the hype that Dillene had coming into the league. I remember like it was kind of like the argument about Dillene was, is he generational or not? Is he like mm-hmm. Eric Carlson good or not? And, uh, you know, it was a really big jump for him, though, from 2021. He paced for just 34 points in the shortened season. Uh, and then down the stretch this year, he put up 16 points in the last 20 games. Parts of the year where it looked like he was really starting to put it all together. Uh, what do you see in Darlene's game at this stage? And and can he still be that 70-point defenseman that, that people had hoped for before he made the league? Yes. I I say that very firmly. Yes. He Love can the be. confidence. That's exciting. He, what I saw from him in the second half of the season was, oh, this is the number one pick. You know, we, we saw glimpses of that. You know, his rookie year, he puts up 44 points. I mean, for an 18-year-old to put up 44 points as a defenseman in the NHL is nuts. You know, uh, I think the only I – mean, he was doing stuff that – he did stuff that Bobby Orr didn't do. I mean, we're talking Bobby freaking Orr. Like, <laughs> you know, like, you know, the only guy he wasn't able to touch was Phil Housley. And who was his coach that year? Phil Housley. So, I mean – you know, if anybody knew how to push a guy like that, you know, as an 18 year old, as a guy who can, who's an offensive dynamo, Housley knew how to pull the strings. I mean, granted, you know, defense was a little bit, you know, whatever, but like, listen, guys that can score that much from the blue line. I mean, I, I it drive it drives me nuts that like old school hockey guys just want to like, be like, well, they got to play defense. They got to be tougher physically. They got to blah, 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 block shots, do all like No. You know, like they said this about Eric Carlson for years. And I was like, well, listen, Eric Carlson has a puck on his stick 65% of the time when he's on the ice. Like, sorry, that's better than blocking shots. You know, Darlene isn't that possession guy yet. But the the way he was able to thrive and pick his moments on offense and the way he became kind of a kind of a prick on the ice, like he stopped taking guys crap and he started feeding it back to guys like Every game against they played against the Bruins, you knew him and Marshan were going to come together and you know start pushing each other like that. It's automatic, <laughs> but like Darlene stopped taking everybody's crap, and he's become a lot. He's got a little bit more of an edge to him now. Granted, he's not going out running guys, and he's not going to do any of that stuff, but he lets his skill do the talking. You know, he's able to. He's smart about when he jumps up into plays. Now he's he's very strong defensively. He's, he knows to not be a high risk guy now. And at some point this season, it just clicked. Now, I now I, no listen. Me saying I'm not, I have no concerns about him. Like I, I have no concerns about him becoming that guy. I just need him to show me that the guy that I saw at the end of the, this year starts off next season the exact same way because his first, geez, every year 
the first month or two would just be like, man, he's going to get it going, man. Like, let's go. And you'd be like, what, you know, why is this taking him so long to kind of, you know, break out and, and get better at this. Granted, you know, when I talked about Skinner earlier about, you know, he was one of the guys that Ralph Kruger had the shackles on. This is the other guy. Um, you know, it's no coincidence that his worst season came under Ralph Kruger. Let's put it that way. I mean, you know, 23 points minus 36, you know, the, he kept trying to make him something he's not, you know, he's, he's like, no, he's got to play back. He's got to play back on the defense. He's, you know, I only want him going as far as the blue line on offense. Like, man, you're, you're killing everything that makes him a special player. And Don Granato again, doing, pulling the, uh, you know, the logical switch of like, no, let's do the exact opposite of that. Let's, let's hone his skills at what he does best and let's get him better at doing those things. And that's what we saw. Uh, in the second half, I, to me, he's a, he's a, he's an absolutely brilliant player. And I, I'm not the type of guy that's going to sit around and like wag my finger at people and be like, you didn't believe I believe blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to do any of that stuff, but man, when you know the talents there, you know, the skills there and you know, the fire and a, the competitive nature and a guy is there to be able to do these things. It's just a matter of pulling the right switches. Kruger didn't know what switches to pull. Don Granado has seems to have figured it out. And you know what? It's not just Granado. It's, it's uh, Dan Girardi. Dan Girardi works with these guys off the ice too. Uh, and he's done a lot of work with the, the defensemen. Love him. Uh, he's not an assistant coach this year, but like he's, he's with the team, helping them out doing things. And like, you know, having guys like that in your ear to help, you know, coax you along and, and help you learn the game. It's invaluable. So um, yeah, Darlene, I, I listen, Sabres are going to score a lot of goals next year. I think, I think maybe not a lot in the, you know, the range of like Tampa or Edmonton, like mm-hmm. not, not in that range, but they're going to be a much better offensive team. Mm-hmm. And Darlene's going to drive that bus. That's exciting to hear. And that's what we've all been waiting for uh, since he came into the league was just for Darlene to become a player that when you look at the games that are going on on a given night, it's like, you know, you see Arizona and it's like, uh, who am I going to watch? You know, maybe Clayton Keller you're, you're trying to catch mm-hmm. uh, with Buffalo. You want to see Darlene reach that level where it's like, oh, Buffalo's playing. Oh, yeah, I'll tune in and watch uh, watch Rasmus Darlene and, and sort of see what's going on there. And I mean, it seems like there are a lot of other uh, forwards who are coming up. The other defensemen who I think folks are really excited about uh, and who we definitely need to talk about is Owen Power. Uh, mm-hmm. One year out from going first overall to the Sabres in last year's draft. Uh, what do you see from what did you see from Owen Power in his draft plus one year, and uh, how high are expectations for you for uh, for Mister Power? So, <laughs> what I saw of Owen Power was a 19 year old that plays like he's he's been in the league for 10 years. Like nothing phases him. I mean, I saw this in Michigan too. I mean, he's it's it it's easy to forget how big of a kid he is. I mean, he's six foot six. He's he's a big kid, and like he dwarfed guys in college. But you just you know he just seemed to like forget about it, which is a weird thing to say about a guy that big. But he's just he's such a smart player. He's such a smooth skater. He's got fantastic offensive instincts, and he's not a slouch on defense either. Um, he, I saw so much from him where I'm just like, and it's little things too. It's not, you know, it's not the obvious things where, you know, he lays a big hit or he scores a goal or whatever. It's the little things with the decision-making. It's the little things with the little plays that he makes where you're like, oh, this helps bring these two guys just by doing this one thing. Or, you know, he's able to loosen up the defensive coverage by doing this one thing. And you take note of these things as the games go on. And man, oh man, I'm excited to see what he can do 
uh, from here on out because he's, I think he's going to be an absolutely dynamite player. He's, I, you know, I saw so much of him at Michigan where it was just, you kind of got used to it. <laughs> you know, when a guy's, when a guy's going that well, you know, in that kind of level, you just kind of get used to a, a guy playing that well. I and mean, granted, he played on basically a, a you know, a draft all-star team with Michigan, but, um, but I mean, like, you know, for, you know, and when I look at that team, like Luke Hughes does a lot of ton of great offensive stuff, but like the defensive end of the game is like, you know, a little cringy. Owen power is not that way. You know, he, you know, he's the number one guy on the power play. He was the number one guy in the PK. If they did use him on the PK, I mean, you got to give a guy a break sometimes, but, <laughs> um, but I mean, he's, I just, he's unflappable. Like nothing, nothing seems to bother him. Like, you know, high pressure, you know, you know, tight four check game, you know, guys are coming at him all the way up the ice. Doesn't phase him. Doesn't phase him. You know, he's, he finds the pass that he's got to make, you know, he, he doesn't exactly play the European style where he'll loop back to try to, you know, restart, but, um, but he finds the right play to make almost every time. And points wise, like, I mean, it's, it's easy to, it's kind of easy to drop what the power plays are going to be for, for, for Buffalo, because Darlene's going to quarterback power play one power is going to quarterback power play two, and they might switch sometimes, you know, like that's, it's nice to be able to, I'm sure Granado's pleased as anything to be able to say like, yep, this is our power. These are our power play quarterbacks for the next God knows how long, like that's, <laughs> it's a nice luxury to have, but um, but man, he's, he's going to be, he's going to be really fun to watch. Um, I'm going to be really eager, eager to see what a full season him at the NHL is going to look like, because what we saw last year, granted it was eight games, but you know, he scores a couple goals, you know, plays some pretty tough time. He was getting power play minutes by the last couple of games, which they didn't really want to throw him into the power play, you know, right away. Cause I mean, it's tough to do. It's the end of the season. Uh, but they gave him a couple of games to do it and he didn't look out of place. So uh, he's, he's going to be really interesting. I, I imagine, you know, if you're drafting, you're probably going to be like, Oh, if I didn't get Darlene, I might want to go get power. You know, if you're, if you're dead set on getting a Sabres defenseman anyways, but like, um, but he's going to be, he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. He's going to be really interesting to see where his game goes because uh, the sky's the limit for him. Yeah, and I mean, you hear anyone talking about Owen Power this season, they're saying the same thing as you. You see a guy who looks like he's been in the league for 10 years. Like, just it, it just is automatic at this point. Um, you meant you alluded to the goaltending earlier. Uh, we got to talk about it. Uh, and I'm going to bring it up by pointing out something that I'm not sure I've ever seen before, which is this team has no goalies signed at in the no professional goalie contracts currently. I, mm-hmm. I don't know that I've seen this ever before at this point in the season. Um, you know, Craig Anderson and Dustin Tokarski led the team in games played last year. Do you see either back next year? And if not, is it Uko Pekalukanen's net, uh, or does he at least get a shot to play meaningful games? Um, Craig Anderson has a position if he wants it. Um, if he wants to come back and he wants to play, the Sabres will be happy to take him back. Um, I, mean, I think one of the reasons they signed him last year was because they wanted him to be kind of a mentor for Uko Pekalukanen. Um, and you know, the, the way training camp went last year, the job was there for Lukanen to take, you know, whether, whether it was starter or backup and he had a pretty rough camp, um, you know, and you know, he's a guy that I feel bad for because his development has been kicked around so weirdly because of injury and COVID and, you know, everything. I mean, he played three different levels. His first, his first pro year, he played in the, he started the year in the ECHL. He came up, played at Rochester. They had to call him up to Buffalo for, because of injuries. 
you know, it was all kinds of weird stuff. It's been all kinds of weird stuff with him nonstop. And they were, the organization was really excited to see what he was going to do in the AHL playoffs this year. Then, you know, he gets run in like one of the last games of the season and it not, you know, he injured his hamstring, it turned out, and he didn't play any games in the playoffs. And turns out he, he would have been ready to play game four had uh, they taken any kind of, had they gotten a win in any game against Laval, but they got swept. So he didn't even get the chance to get one game. So, I mean, um, to me, like, it's very tough with him because the, the defense in Rochester last season was awful. <laughs> um, it, they, they, they could not defend very well. He saw tons of action and, you know, listen, the goalies struggle with that. Like, you know, listen, if you're going to face 35, 40 shots a game, or you're going to have like high quality chances to face all game, that's stressful. And, you know, there were, there was a lot of time where Lucan and look, you know, had pretty rough games because of it. There was other games where he'd give up five, but he was the best guy in the ice. You know, they, you know, they come back and win six, five or something like that. But, you know, he's the guy that kept it from being, you know, 10, 11 to six, you know, it's like, it's those kinds of things where, you know, he, you know, he got up plenty of games last year, but I don't know how you can properly evaluate him. You know, he's, he's, he got what, 15, 15 NHL games last season. Was I think that? it was, I think 17, but yeah. And that 15 to yeah. 20 mark, that, but, that range. but, but he had, you know, a nine fifteen save percentage in the NHL. That's that would have been best on the Sabres had, you know, again, extrapolate it for a whole season. If he had nine fifteen the whole season, he's their number one with a bullet and there's no questions asked. Um, so I, in my mind, the job's there for him, but the team can't, the team can't gamble on him taking it and running it like they, they, you know, obviously they got to get goalies for the, you know, the entire organization, but um, I know they want Lucan in to be the guy and, you know, they've been trying to do his development the correct way so that, you know, I, I would imagine had things gone normally this upcoming season would be like, okay, now's your time to shine, but they still don't know. Like, I think they still want to get him more games in Rochester just to be absolutely sure they know where he's at. Um, but it's, I don't know. Sometimes you just gotta, sometimes you gotta take a risk. Granted, that's much more difficult to do when you're, you know, if your job's going to be on the line or, you know, you're, you know, first time GM, first time coach, and you're just kind of like, nah, screw it. Let's put the kid in there. Like that's, you know, you don't get that kind of leeway really. But, um, but I think they, I think they would love to, to have the confidence to say, yes, he's our guy. He's our number one, but they can't do it. So they got to look, they got to look for help, you know, elsewhere. They got to find guys that can, that can do it. And, you know, looking down the develop, you know, the, the, the goaltending tree, the goaltending depth chart that they have, they can't really go get somebody who's a long-term answer to be like a number one, mm -hmm. because then you're looking at, you know, Devin Levi's, you know, he's gone back to Northeastern. Eric Portillo has gone back to Michigan. If you get somebody who's a long-term guy to be your number one, why would either of those guys want to sign with Buffalo? Like, you know, they've already got Lucan in in front of them. And if you get some other guy in there to be that, you know, to be your stud guy, like say, you know, say if they went out and got like Billy Huso or they trade for somebody, you know, who's a number one style, you're telling those guys like, Hey man, you know, that job that you want, yeah, it's not available for the next four to five years. So good luck, you know, have fun in Rochester for that long or, you know, get to be a backup for two years or whatever, you know, whatever the case, like, 
It's the, especially with a team with with Buffalo's track record of kind of creating bad situations yes. for its players. Like you're not a team that has this uh, this rep for being a great uh, a great manager and, and a mm-hmm. great organization. You need to rebuild that. Yeah, and you know, listen, they've been down this this goalie road is exactly how you know uh, Cal Peterson wound up in L.A. That's how he wound up not signing with Buffalo because they went out and traded for Robin Leonard. You know, they already had Jonas Johansson and Linus Olmark in the system. Why would Cal Peterson sign when they've already, you know, they've, they got Leonard to be their number one, Allmark's there in the waiting to be the number two, and Johansson's there as well. Like, you know, your Cal Peterson is like, I don't want to deal with this. Like, you might even get to get a shot at the NHL when, within three years. I don't know, maybe not. Like, that's, you know, when, when you're looking down the road that far, guys who are in college, when they've got that ability to just stay in college, and, you know, they can become free agents, you know, if they go the whole way, they'll do it. Because, you know, if they can control their destiny, they'll, they're, they're going to want that. And, you know, Peterson, you know, listen, I don't think Peterson expected John Quick to be able to, to stay healthy and stay passably good or, you know, really good in, at, at occasion uh, all the way. Like, I'm sure if you asked him, he'd be like, wow, I'm kind of surprised at this, honestly. But, um, right. but I mean, like, you know, it, you know, kind of cost L.A. Jack Campbell and, you know, they held on to Peterson, but like. I don't know. It's it's a very difficult spot for for Buffalo, and you know what? Portillo can become a free agent next summer, so there. <laughs> it's it, it gets very uncomfortable very fast if things don't go right with Lukanen, because then you're you're stressing things out. You know, if you do get Portillo signed, uh, and you do get Levi signed after you know this after this upcoming season you're putting the stress right on those guys to be like, all right, man, you've spent enough time in college. Let's get you up to the NHL because we need you. You know, like that's, it's a tough spot to be in. And, you know, it's, it'd be even tougher for them if they didn't get Levi in the, the Reinhardt trade. Cause then you'd be looking at Portillo being like trying to throw him as much money as humanly possible to come out of Michigan to be like, listen, man, we need a guy like, please. Right. And I feel like if you're, you're Buffalo, you kind of want to pull off what, what Minnesota has done, which is sort of like, ride these guys who are devalued. You sign them for like two, three years at the end of their career. You, mm-hmm. you get them into, uh, you give them in a position to succeed. You know, you, they bring in Dubnik, who is very solid for a few seasons, at least. You bring in Cam Talbot. He's been, you know, at least been good enough for them to be competitive and to, to rebuild and sort of put the team in a, a position to succeed. They really need sort of a, a guy who they can bring in for two seasons. And like you said, UPL can learn from him and and, and Levi can look forward to maybe getting a chance to compete for the job uh, when that contract is up. But yeah, I mean, like a Mark Andre Fleury type would be incredible if you could if you could lure him over to Buffalo. <laughs> Listen, that that's every fan's pipe dream here. Like yeah. every every fan every fan of Buffalo is like, ah, oh, come on, Fleury Fleury would have fun. He fits the vibes right. And it's like you're not wrong. But I yes. I tell you what I tell you what though, if Fleury goes back to Minnesota, if I'm Kevin Adams, I'm calling about Cam Talbot, like. Five right. seconds yeah. after he resigns in Minnesota, because I'd be like, "Listen, Talbot's not going to want to stay there." Like, I'm sure he was. Yeah. I mean, if I was him, I I would have been hyper ticked off about adding Flurry because he played really well last year. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I I don't know what where the expectations are for for Cam Talbot, but like I to me, he went over them. He played very well for them. So, you know, if Flurry goes back to Minnesota, which I don't know how they'll be able to afford him, you know, you know, 14 million in dead cap space doesn't help anybody, but. Um, but if, uh, but if flurry goes back there, man, if I'm Buffalo, I'm calling like, all right, how much for Talbot? Like, you know, what round pick can we give you for Talbot? That's not first or second. (laughs) 
Well, and if there's any any player in the league who you could see just being like, you know what, I want to be here. I'll sign for, you know, I'm going to say league minimum, even though I think that's even a bit of a stretch. But like, let's say 1.5. You could see Marc-Andre Fleury just taking whatever to play wherever he wants. Yeah. I To me, I don't know. It, people have been trying to retire Marc-Andre Fleury for like the last three or four years, it seems like. Yes. Um, yeah. But uh, to me, if when it's time for him, when he wants to call it a quits he'll sign in pittsburgh for a year and like that'll be the that'll be the swan song season which hey pittsburgh might need a goalie you know i know they got tristan jari but like you know casey dismissed a free agent so i don't know maybe bring flurry in for one last ride you know you watch uh you watch them lose chris letang and evgeny malkin in the offseason and and spend all that money to bring back mark andre flurry i feel like that would be just i would be watching every game of october (laughs) next year just just eyes glued in to uh the drama what a way to save uh, face that would be too. just be like listen we uh, we know we lost two other icons we still got sid we're Uh, bringing flurry back come on guys please yeah one more they call it the last dance season something like that you know that'd be that'd be fun uh joe we loved having you on the show thank you so much for answering all of our questions uh where can our listeners find your work well you can find uh you can find my written work at notedhockey.substack.com uh be putting up stuff period it's summertime so cut me a little bit of a break but uh i'm gonna be going in really hard next season so uh so get on board early be ready for that uh you can also find me at uh the maintenance day podcast it's on apple it's on spotify it's on amazon find it everywhere uh, every Monday, a new episode. It's all Saber stuff. So if you liked what you heard today, or if you just want to you know, be angry at me and listen to what I have to say about it, then listen to that every Monday. It's great. And you can find me on Twitter as well, at Joe Yerdon, J-O-E-Y-E-R-D-O-N. And if you liked just the Joe portions of tonight's episode, you should also listen to the podcast because I will not be, uh, I unfortunately have not landed the job as Joe's, uh, Joe's co-host <laughs> quite off, off this interview. <laughs> Joe, thanks so much for uh, joining us. And we, hey, hopefully we can have you back another time and uh, chat Sabres with you. Yeah, it'd be great to do that, Ben. Thanks for having me.